Good morning again, Redeemer. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to uh, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. As you, as you get there, uh, we are actually in day two. Uh, Acts chapter 3 uh, was last week, and Peter and John are going into the temple, and 5,001 people are converted through uh, Peter's good deed and the preaching of God's word. And we are now looking at day two, what happened on the following day. On the next day, their rulers will be in Acts 4, 5, uh, verse 5, all the way through 31. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when their friends heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of the father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place, and now, Lord, look upon their hearts and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. 
while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for time under your word, and unless the Lord builds, we build in vain. Unless the Lord watches, we watch in vain, and unless you, O sovereign Lord, creator and sustainer of all things, are at work in our midst, we are here in vain. And so, Holy Spirit, would you be pleased to work in and through your people? that we might be built up and formed in the image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So somehow, I think I must have uh, accepted an update on my phone. And, and so now, um, it just sends me pictures, like random pictures um, that might be a year ago, or it might be six months ago, or if I go to Mobile, it might a picture might pop up that say, hey, the last time you were in Mobile. And, and there are times when this is beautiful. There are times when my phone will send me images. And those images are old. It's an image of an anniversary dinner. It's an image of my child or one of my children playing. An image of a birthday party an image of the night when I accepted vows to be pastor here at Redeemer. And some of those photos, they, they literally stop us in our tracks. They demand attention. And the reason they demand attention is because they enable us to see growth. They enable us to see maturity. They enable us to see how our lives have been enriched by people and places. In one sense, as we read the book of Acts, that's, that's what's happening. But if you read the Gospels and you see the 12 that are following Jesus, once you get to the book of Acts, as we look back on it, it's as if Holy Spirit is putting before us beautiful pictures, pictures of growth, pictures of how the church grew. It starts with 12, and then it's 120, and then 3,000 are added, and then last week 5,000 are added, that you're looking at pictures of the church kind of growing up. But you don't just get the church growing up. You start to see people growing up. You get to see Peter, who blew it a lot in his time with Jesus, who put his foot in his mouth, who was called Satan, who denied Jesus three times, who asked Jesus how to pray. And then you get to see Peter in Acts, and he's maturing. The same one who wanted to learn is now the one teaching. The same one who wanted to know how to pray is now the one leading prayer meetings. The same one who had questions is, is, is now giving answers. The one who was a coward is now courageous. It's beautiful to behold. 
that Peter is growing in the likeness of Jesus. If you had to list five attributes of Jesus that you want to see developed and cultivated in your own heart more fully, or the hearts of your children more fully, or the hearts of your friends more fully, what attributes would come to mind? Would you want to be more holy? Probably so. Would you want to be more patient? Probably so. Would you want to be more present? Probably so. Would you want to be more prayerful where you could commune with the Father, that you could walk in the Spirit and be praying always? Probably so. Would you want to be more unhurried in life? Probably so. More merciful, more righteously angered, as opposed to unrighteous anger, or as opposed to being angered by nothing, right? Here's a question for you. Would boldness and courage show up on that list? Followers of Jesus are called to be unashamed, we're called to be strong. We're called to be courageous. We're called to be bold. This passage is about boldness, and that's the reason why I stretched it all the way down to verse 34, 31 of chapter 4, because there's a thread of boldness that, that Luke is plucking in this section that you see it in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, you see it again down in verse 29, when the, the body begins to pray, Lord, look upon their threat, threats and in the face of their threats, grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The thread that I want to pluck this morning is this attribute that you see being formed in Peter, which Peter is getting from Jesus Christ. That my prayer is that we would be a bold people. That we would be a strong and courageous people. And what I want to do is, is unpack it by asking and answering four questions. Why is boldness needed? Why is boldness needed? Who needs boldness? What is boldness? And where does boldness come from? Why is boldness needed? Here's the answer. Because of persecution. Because of persecution. Now, context is helpful. Last week, Peter went into the temple, and by God's grace, he saw a lame man, and Peter says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have you, I, I, I give to you. I give you Jesus. By the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And 5,001 people were rescued that day. 
the only, the, the lame persons in that passage are not just the physically disabled man, right? The, the lameness that you see in that passage has to do with the other 5,000 who may have had functioning eyes, but they were still spiritually blind, who may could walk to the temple, but they had still not met the God of the temple. And so those people were rescued, but not everyone was excited about the rescue. That if you look back in verses 1 through 7, you realize that the Sadducees, the captain of the temple, which John Stott says is this hybrid position, this guy is a police but he's also a priest, and that power is lodged in this one person. And so the captain of the temple with the Sadducees, and if you keep reading in verse 5, the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander in verse 6, and all who were of the high priestly family, they weren't excited about the 5,001 who were rescued that day. As a a matter of fact, you see a contrast. You see this contrast between this lame man who held on to Peter, and you know what they did? They said, we're going to hold on to you, Peter. We're going to clack, clack you, and we're going to put you in prison. So Peter and John were arrested and put in prison overnight that the lame man and the people were astonished and they wanted to hear more, but the text tells us that these religious leaders were greatly annoyed. They were not amazed that the people ran to them to listen, but in our passage, the religious leaders are saying, no, we don't want them to talk. Don't talk about the power. Don't talk about the miracle. Don't talk about the name. Don't talk about Jesus. There is a contrast happening. Not everyone will receive the good news. that there is a similarity between what's happening to Peter and John and what happened to Jesus. And Jesus predicted this. He says, you servants are not greater than your master. He says, they persecuted me. He says, they will persecute you. And this scene has similarities between Jesus's final hours on earth. That the reason Luke gives us the name of Annas and Caiaphas and the Sadducees and the elders and the rulers is because these same men lock Jesus up. And when they all gathered and had court, this is a court scene, the Sanhedrin, the 72, which is priests and rulers and elders and Sadducees and Pharisees, when they summon Peter and John back before them, it's the same thing they did to Jesus. They summon him after they arrested him. And rather than have the attitude of John the Baptist, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. These religious leaders don't want to decrease. They can't stand that there's a name out there more beautiful than theirs. They can't stand that there is one who has real power to even heal a man who was 40 years old and Jesus did not have to physically even be there to do it. That's the weight of the God that they don't want them to talk about. Following Jesus faithfully will set us up to be persecuted. 
As a matter of fact, one scholar says that after Acts chapter 3, in the remaining 28 chapters, only three chapters in the rest of the book make no mention of persecution. We need boldness because persecution is real. That as we boldly proclaim the good news, some will boldly oppose the message of hope. That persecution may come for us at our dinner table with family members who don't see the image of God in everyone. And they will make racist comments. And if you stand up and you speak about the image of God stamped everywhere, it will sound foolish. And some of you will be persecuted when you see laws and bills that are signed by politicians. And because you don't neatly fit in the party of your friends or your coworkers, if you see the world with texture and nuance shaped by the God of the Bible, if you speak into that, you will be persecuted. And you will be persecuted if you stand up and you proclaim that there is salvation in no other name except Jesus Christ. In our pluralistic world, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that he is the truth, that he is the way, and that he is the life. They don't want to hear it. And if you hear Hebrew Israelites standing on the corner of where bat furniture used to be with microphones spewing out a gospel that is no gospel, if you reason with them, as I have done, you will be surrounded and you will be mocked and you will be scoffed. If we faithfully live this out, you will be persecuted. That's why we need boldness. Because some will boldly come after the God that we proclaim. Who needs the boldness here? Here's the answer. Participants in the mission always. Spectators of the mission never. I want you to follow the logic of Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Last week, I'm, so let's label it A, B, C, and D, just, just to be kind of, let, let me break it up, right? So last week, I made the case that, that, that what happened in Acts 3 is that the believers lived a patterned life, that, that we were told that they daily 
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship and the prayers, that they daily, as needs arose in the body, they were daily selling off things to care for one another. They were daily going into the temple and daily in each other's homes. That was a refrain that was in the previous chapter. And the case that I made to you last week is that as they were daily living this patterned life, Guess what happened? Providential. It's providence. It's like Luke is giving us a clue because he says that this lame man, he had a daily pattern. And what was his daily pattern? His daily pattern was his homeboys had to go get him, put him on a cot, take him to the temple so that he could beg for alms. And the case that I made to you was as they daily live their rhythm, their life, the shape of their life, this other man had a daily rhythm. And God in his providence, their mission strategy was not to go outside or not to go 500 miles away. Their mission strategy was to be a regular Christian. And as they were being regular Christians, God providentially put someone in need in their path. And what did they do when they encountered the lame man? Peter did a good deed in the power, which he calls a good deed in our passage, in the power of Jesus. And then he preached a good sermon and gave glory to Jesus. So you see that? And some were converted. And some were perse- became persecutors. Check out the logic there. A is a patterned life. B, God is big and providential, and he will put people in my life who are searching for silver and gold who really need him. C is as I am aware that God is at work, and this is not a coincidence, I will do good deeds and speak good news. That's C. Some may get converted, Praise the Lord. And some may come at you to persecute you. That's D. And when D happens, we need boldness. Now, the boldness is tied to the persecution. And the persecution is tied to your good deeds and your good preaching or teaching. And your good deeds and good words is tied to God being a big God who providentially puts people in your life, which is tied to us living patterned living. Now, how is it that we, who, who experiences the persecution? Only. Only. When we open our mouths and do good. If we never open our mouths and talk about Jesus and image Jesus, if we gloss over God's providence and treat encounters as secondary, if we live unbridled and undisciplined and busy and cloistered lives, then guess what? You will never, ever, ever need boldness because you'll never, ever, ever be persecuted. You see how the logic is working in this book? Who 
needs the boldness that we see in the passage. The persecuted. And who gets persecuted? Only those who speak truth and do good. Here's a question. So, during COVID, we have um, probably played more video games than we probably have ever as a family. Whether it's Minecraft or Roblox or uh, Mario Brothers or, right? So we just, hey, let's, let's play video games. And so there's a posture, right? I'm, I'm dad and, 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 and I can, you know, just think about flying. Like Mario has like this suit where Mario can just like soar. And so just think, right? I can sit on the couch while my children play Mario and I can spectate and I can see gaming flight happening on the video game, right? Or I can, I can say, hey, bro or, or daughter, can I get a stick and let's play together? And now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm one step removed from, from being an observer. Now I'm, I'm, I'm playing, but I'm playing a game, and, and it's not real flying, but we're flying on a game. And you can take it a step further than that, right? We went to New York a couple years ago. We, we went to a virtual reality gaming center. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to go and tolerate this until you put on like this headset and you step like you step on this two by four and you put this headset on and they have fans blowing. And once you put, you, once you put the headset on, you see and you're standing on top of a skyscraper and you look around, you see clouds and birds and you hear, you hear cars passing below and then the goal is to walk across the skyscrapers. And so you're walking on this plank. It's a wooden plank on the floor and you're walking. But then if you topple a little bit, like your heart rate will raise and you will feel the fan blowing and it will feel like you're really falling off a skyscraper. And then we went to a place called iFly. Anybody been to iFly? Okay. We went to iFly, and it's like this giant wind tunnel. And you, you get suited up, and you have to go through this 30-minute presentation on what to do and what not to do in the wind tunnel. And you suit up, and, and if you, like, lean into the wind tunnel, it will throw you up, like, five or six stories. And so you have this instructor who's guiding you, and so you can kind of lean in, and you're flying, but it, it's in a controlled environment. And then you have what happened to me in 2003. I jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. My Russian friend was a non-believer at the time, and I'm trying to share the gospel with him. I'm a new believer, and he's, he's a skydiver. He did it every Saturday. And so I said, okay, Alex, what happens one day if your parachute does not open? What's next? He says, nothing is next. I said, oh, something is next. <laughs> and so he thought about it for a while. And then he came back the next week after he had jumped. And he says, man, I was in the plane. And all I could think about is what's next. And so I continued to pray with him, continued to share the gospel. I wanted him to go to a men's retreat. It was a lock-in for a weekend. And I said, man, I really think you ought to go to that. I think it'll be good for you. And he says, I go if you go with me. 
And I'm just like, no, nah, bro. He says, where, where is your faith, right? So, so I was tricked into jumping out of an airplane. And by God's grace, we made it safely. And he was converted about a month after that in that lock-in. Who needs courage and boldness? And those five stations, is it the person spectating a video game? Is it a person playing the video game? Is it a person in virtual reality? Is it a person in an I-fly wind tunnel? Or the person jumping out of the plane? Who needs real courage? You know who needs real courage? The one who can lose their life. Spectators don't need courage. Only if you're playing. Only if you are more than a spectator, but a participant. Could it be that the reason we'd never need this boldness is because we're never persecuted? Because our lives are cloistered, distracted, busy, that we don't, we say we believe in a big God, but we don't believe in a big God who puts people in our lives and our paths, that we don't really love neighbor well enough to tell them that there is salvation in no one else other than Jesus. And so we don't talk, and we don't open our mouths, and we don't do good and therefore, we're never persecuted, and we never tap into the boldness that we ought to possess as followers of Jesus. Maybe we're reading Acts wrong. No offense, Otis. Maybe we read Acts like a history book. When I was in college, just give me the name and give me the places and give me the people, and I'm going to memorize it. That's the awful way to do history, right? Maybe we read Acts like that. Eh, that's what they did back then in Jerusalem. That's, that's them. That's cool. That's the wrong way to read. What if the future of the church is being written right now? We're in the story right now. Now, my next question is, what is this boldness? And I want to convince you that it's, it's, it's an inner emotion, an inner courage that moves outward. Right? It, it's in and then out. That the reason I had right read from Joshua is because there's some language in Joshua and Deuteronomy surrounding this be strong and courageous that I think is important for us. 
You see it in Deuteronomy chapter 1, when the Lord sends 12 men to scope the land, and they brought back some of the good fruit from the land, but some of the brothers reported, the people are greater and taller than we, the cities are great and fortified up to heaven, and, and here's what Deuteronomy says, that it made the hearts of Israel melt. You hear that? Their hearts melted in the face of power, in the face of might, in the face of fortified cities. And only Joshua and Caleb from that generation were allowed to lead them into the land because their hearts were not melted when they saw the greatness of city. Their hearts were strong because they saw the greatness of their God. This is why when Joshua begins, the refrain is be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do be strong and courageous for the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. You hear that? Wright mentioned it, that the strength of heart, it comes from who God is. The strength of heart, it comes from all that God has done. The strength of heart, it comes from this place of this confidence, this trust, this rest. You have proven yourself faithful. You have conquered the grave that no one can snatch me out of your hands. You are sovereign. You are good. And therefore, my heart will be strong. And that strength of heart, it moves to strength of action. There was a fight for Joshua to do. The Lord says, go and fight, but he's fighting out of this strong heart. And there is action in this passage. What does Peter do? He's, he's called bold, which I think is this inner core, this inner strength, but it doesn't just stay inside. It comes out. And for Peter, it does not come out in war. It comes out in his words. They will not shut him up. That the very power that they want to quench, the very name that they don't want to be talked about, that Peter says, we are being examined by this good deed. Let it be known that we didn't do it. It wasn't our piety. It wasn't our power that this good deed was done by us through Christ in his name. And he says, I don't care what y'all think. I'm not going to stop talking about his name. And they tell him, be silent. And I imagine that what's going through Peter's mind is the last time they told someone to be silent, that they had on trial, they killed. And Peter says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or God, you be the judge. We will not be silent. We will speak of what we have seen and heard. Strong heart, courageous heart, leading to strong action. Now, where does that strength come from? It comes from God. Last week I mentioned, I, I challenged us all Look for providence. Look at your rhythm this week and ask, who has he put in my path that needs good deeds and good news? 
Did you see them this week? Did you say something to them this week? Or were we hearers and not doers? Who did God put around you this week that he providentially put in your path who don't know him? Were you looking for him? I have a suspicion that a lot of us blew it. It went in one ear and out the other. And we looked over people. And we said nothing. And you may be like me where, man, I just want to climb under that cushion right now. Before we do good news and preach good news, Jesus has good news for you. All the courage that God desires, he's yielded it. He was sent on a rescue mission destined, according to the world, to fail. And he would be consumed with not spectating about redemption, but being the key and starring leader of redemption. And he would step into time and space and take on flesh. And he would live a beautiful life. And he would do good and speak truth. And he would be rewarded with death, death on a cross. Why? Because God's righteous and courageous servant was dying in our place. That sense of cowardness and shame and fear of man and preoccupation with this world and the things of the world that can eat at us. Jesus looks at you and says, I'm not angry. That's why I came to rescue you. But once that reality sets in and we can repent and own that and endeavor a new obedience, where does the boldness come from? You see it in the passage that Peter is filled with the Spirit. That's what verse 8 says. On the next day, no, no, no. Verse 8 says that uh, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak. And Peter preaches. He goes all in. You rejected the cornerstone and you're the builders that you killed the author of life. The salvation is found in nowhere else. And the last time Peter I mean, he couldn't even talk to a slave girl. Now he's talking to the rulers. He couldn't even own up to knowing Jesus to a slave girl. And here he is standing before rulers and leaders who have the power to kill him. He's filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not limited to Galatians. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you might also add boldness to that list. 
when God's spirit dwells God's people, he will give you power. But it's also noticed that they had been with Jesus. Did you see that refrain there? Verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized they had been with Jesus. They were becoming like the Jesus they had been with. Not only in his earthly life, in his earthly ministry, but in their daily remembrance of his promises, their daily resting in his word that Jesus was forming himself in them. You can arrest God's servants, but you can't stop God from communing with them. Did you see what they prayed for? And this prayer is directed, I think, to God the Father. Look at it. When Peter, when they came back and reported Look at verse 24. When, the, 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 when his friends heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, has given us this psalm. This psalm that was written by David talks about Gentiles plotting, talks about nations, talks about kings. And Lord, we see it typified right here in our midst that Pilate and, and Caiaphas and Herod and even the people of Israel along with the Gentiles they have all conspired against your anointed we see them and they are strong and they are powerful and they are killing folks and then notice what he says 29 oh Lord look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you, through their boldness, stretch out your hand to heal, while you do signs and wonders, when people participate in your providential hand, you do this. You don't let their fear of death, their fear of suffering, stop this. And notice verse 31, and when they had prayed, God says, yes, I answer this prayer all the time. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the place where they gathered together was shaken. And they all continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Where do we get this? God the Spirit communing with God the Son as we pray to God the Father. And our triune God starts to form this in us. Not just the outward aspect of it, but he starts to fortify our hearts to make us resilient, to make us strong. And out of that strength and out of that conviction and out of the work of the gospel on us, we speak. When I jumped out of that plane in 2003, I was afraid. And you know what gave me courage? It was a tandem jump. That means I was strapped to a skydiving instructor 
who had done this thousands of times. And you know what he told me? I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's what Jesus tells you, beloved. He tells you in the face of persecution, in the face of hardship, in the face of fear, he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. What if a thousand years from now, we're in the new heavens and the new earth with our phones? Maybe, I don't know. I really don't know. I promise you, I have no idea, right? I don't know. But just dream, right? Let's play. What if we had our phones and a reminder was sent? And it was a photo of people God used in your life that you brought them to faith. Would that not stop you in your tracks and make you bow the knee and praise him? It would. That's my prayer for us, Redeemer, that we would be bold and courageous, seizing the day, making the best use of our times, keeping our eyes on eternity, partnering with God and his providence, to tell the greatest story about the greatest person who has ever walked this earth. These were unlearned men who didn't have a seminary degree. They had been with Jesus. You can do it. They did it together, Peter and John, that the saints went out together. If you need help, Want to grow in this? Let us help you. We'd love to train you. Let's pray. Father, bless your word. Thank you for it. Father, my prayer is that you would make us like your son. Do your mighty work in our hearts. May we be with you. May we rely upon your spirit. May we cry out to you for opportunities and the right words to speak in season. So help us, God. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn.